Good morning, everyone. And welcome to those who are joining us in the sanctuary and online today as we learn about what God was saying in the Pentecost 2,000 years ago and what God is still saying by the Holy Spirit today. We'd like to encourage you to get into the Word, so if you have a Bible with you, we invite you to take those Bibles with you to church every week, but if you want to use one here in our space, our ushers right now are coming up and down the side aisles with Bibles. If you'd like to use one, please just raise your hand, they'll get one to you. Or if you have a Bible app on your phone, you can use that too. If you turn to the book of Acts, we're going to be in the book of Acts today, learning about the Holy Spirit. So Pentecost is called the birthday of the Christian church. And as we look into this story more, we see that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings it to life. So as we start, I want to just give you some context about where we are in the Christian story. So if you have a Bible with you, please turn to Acts chapter 1. And uh, after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared with his disciples for 40 days. That's quite a long time. Teaching them and eating with them, helping them to wrap their minds around the fact that he is alive and things are going to change now after his resurrection. So we're starting with verse 4, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. He's talking about John the Baptist there. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at that time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after that, Jesus ascended into heaven. So the disciples went to Jerusalem, like he said, and they waited. And they waited. And they waited. They waited for 10 days. And that might not sound very long right now, but you can imagine it must have been excruciating to think, no, that they've gotten their marching orders from Jesus. They're supposed to be witnesses all over the world, so why not just go? Because Jesus said, wait. Wait for the power from on high. And so they wait. And I think this, the reason for that waiting is partly for them and it's partly for us because it reminds us of, of something that we need to know deep down that the power to live out this calling of our faith doesn't come from us. And I think we're so often tempted to think that it does. But notice, Jesus doesn't ask them in this time for them to figure out a plan about how they're going to reach Samaria, Judea, and the ends of the earth. He's not asking them to do that. There's a reason for that. Something tells me the plan they would have come up with would have looked a lot different than what God had in mind. And he doesn't tell them to start studying up on their Parthian, Mede, and Elamite language learning. He doesn't tell them that either at this point. Jesus isn't asking them at this point to work harder. He's asking them to come closer. He's telling them, trust me. Stay close to me. And then through you, I will reach Samaria and Judea and the ends of the earth. That he wants them to know and us to know that the most important job they have and the important, most important job we have is to keep our hearts listening to the Lord, ready to respond to him so that when he moves, we move with him. 
not work harder, come closer. Because the power to change the world is his. It was then, it is now, it always will be. Unless God builds it, it's built in vain. And that same Lord, that same Holy Spirit is here with us right now, and he's at work in us, his people. So we have to ask, are we listening? Are we waiting on him? Are we ready and willing to move with him? You see, Jesus told the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit, and if he hadn't, they probably would have been off making travel plans to get to the end of the earth, and they would have missed the fact that God had already brought representatives from the ends of the earth right to where they were, right here in Jerusalem. See, while they were gathering in that upper room, people from all different cultures who had become converts to the Jewish faith were all gathering to celebrate the Pentecost. It was a Jewish harvest festival, thanking God for his provision for the year. And also just because of how this fell in Jewish history, during the Pentecost, they also celebrated the giving of the law to the people that helped them know the heart of God. So this was a feast day, Pentecost, so no regular work was supposed to be done. Human beings were supposed to rest because what they were celebrating was not what people had done, but what God had done. And on this day, God chooses to reveal what he had done for the world in Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the eternal harvest of life for us, life eternal with God. And Jesus is the living word who makes God known perfectly to us. And the Holy Spirit is the vehicle that God uses to translate that into our lives. So this is the moment when the disciples are gathered, waiting on the Lord, praying that the Holy Spirit of God comes with a sound like a mighty rushing wind inside a building, inside the house. And these little tiny flames start to dance above each of their heads. Now think about this for a moment. Do you remember the burning bush when Moses found the burning bush in the wilderness right before he was called to let the people go, that that burning bush was a flame that gave light, but it didn't destroy, right? And that is the sign of God's presence among us. And now on the Pentecost, instead of having this, this burning bush, this light of God's presence that they're all turning toward, now that light is given to every single one of them the light of God's presence over every head in that room to say this is where God's presence is now. Because when Jesus died on the cross for us, when he rose from the dead, he died with our sin and he left us clean to be vehicles and vessels of his power to be unleashed to the world. God's Holy Spirit was equally given to each of them and nobody had to ask, what do we do now? Notice that? As soon as they were given the Holy Spirit, they burst out of that room and they went out and they started telling people about Jesus. And this crowd of people gathered from every nation, every known nation on earth at that time were hearing them speak this message. And it wasn't out of any kind of obligation that they were doing this or guilt or duty. It was just joy. It was just joy that overflowed at the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit with them. Joy is not a result of working harder. It's a result of coming closer to the one who loves us. That's how the Holy Spirit creates fruitful ministry. So if you turn to Acts 2, we're going to start to look at these verses again. Uh, verse 4 through 12, we're going to take a look at. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, 
When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So Peter tries to explain in verse 16, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And then in verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, the spirit of God is speaking this message to the old and the young, men and women, servants, masters, people of every social and economic class, every boy, every girl, every race, every culture, in the language of every person present. And the message is this Jesus who came to save came for you. That is the message and the power of the Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit gives that message not just in what is said, but in how it's said. You see, these festivals were conducted in the Hebrew language, so all of these converts from other nations had to learn Hebrew if they were going to be part of these celebrations. So all these believers would have understood the message spoken about Jesus if the Holy Spirit had sent them to speak it in Hebrew. They would have understood the words. So why did the Holy Spirit have the disciples speak in all these different languages? Well, in my time in West Africa, I had an experience that I think really helps me understand why that matters so much to this message. As many of you already know, I was on a Youth Encounter ministry team in 99-2000 that went to French-speaking West Africa. And while the rest of my team was fluent in French, I was hopeless. And I memorized enough French to sing the songs and to speak a little bit, but soon it was pointed out to me that when I stood in front of the crowd and I introduced the next song, I would tell, instead of telling the people, nothing can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus, turns out I was actually telling them, nothing can purify my fish. <laughs> but Queenie, the monkey of Jesus. Since I was not sent to tell them about a fish-cleaning monkey, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would supernaturally give me the gift of French, just like at the Pentecost, right? But that was not his plan. And I have to confess, I felt pretty useless. I kept saying, God, why did you send me here if you're not going to use me? But in my shame and in my sadness, when I came to the Lord, eventually he opened my eyes to notice I wasn't the only one who didn't speak French. A lot of the women and the children in the villages didn't seem to either. And I came to realize that French was the language spoken for trade. So not everyone knew it. So I started to learn enough French to be able to ask in each village, how do you say in your own language, hi, my name is Angie, what's your name? What is this called? God bless you, Jesus loves you. I figured since I was terrible at French anyway, I'd take a stab at being terrible in a bunch of different languages. 
So then I would learn just those little phrases, and I went up to the women, and I tried out my baby talk in those, their own language. And it always took a while for the women to even realize that I was trying to speak in their language. But when they did, they would elbow each other, and then they would shriek, and they'd laugh, and then they'd teach me all kinds of things. And I soon found out that because there were so many different tribal languages, French was the language people used to trade. So if you needed to buy rice or find a new market for fish, you'd use French. But when you tuck in your kids at night, or you say I love you to your family, or when you fight, or when you're afraid, when you cry, then you use your tribal language, the language of your heart, the language of your truest self, the language where you are known. Some of these languages are only spoken by about 5,000 people on the planet total. And that's why to intentionally speak just a few words about Jesus' love for them and the language of their heart was more powerful to them than a whole sermon in the language of buying and selling. And when I had that explained to me, it was like the Holy Spirit just knocked on my heart and said, do you get it now, Angie? First of all, do you get why your plan to work harder at French wasn't my answer? Why instead in your weakness and your shame, when you came closer to me, I could show you how I would use you to speak my love best? Wait on me. My ways are not your ways, Angie. And the power to change the world is in my power. And secondly, do you understand why all those languages were needed at the Pentecost? Because on that first Pentecost 2,000 years ago, those men and women from all those different countries, they probably would have felt a little bit like second-class citizens, one step removed, hanging on to the coattails of somebody else's God. And even though the disciples could have spoken about Jesus in Hebrew and they would have all understood the basic information, the Holy Spirit wanted them to understand something more. He wanted them to hear that this God who so loved the world to send the Savior deeply and personally loves you. So much so that in that massive crowd in a foreign land far from home, God had one of these Jewish fishermen proclaim in your language, a language they themselves would never know, the language of your truest self in which you are known, a language in which you could hear this Jesus came for you. You're the reason Jesus came. See, there are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. All who come are redeemed by Jesus' blood alone. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, Jesus is for you. You see, Jesus is what God wants to say to the world. And he's just the same in any language. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And the Holy Spirit is the translator who takes what belongs to Jesus and makes it known to us. And that's how the Christian church was born, through people who loved Jesus, waiting on the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the God who loves all people, and becoming vessels to speak that love in the language of the heart of every person in the world. That's how God wants to use his church through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, at its heart, Pentecost shows us Jesus makes us family. 
So on Pentecost, the birthday of Jesus' church, I think it's important for us to see that that same Holy Spirit is working here with us today. And on the walls, in both of the worship spaces, we have the five values of our church hanging around us. Jesus makes us family. Deep roots make good fruit. Love pours out. Invite first and next steps with Jesus. 3165, be the church in the world. And I believe the Holy Spirit is still using those things to make Jesus known and leading us into mission. Because every heart, you know this, every human heart hears and speaks a little different language of love. And God knows all of those languages. Our Lord knows the struggle of every heart and he wants to meet us there. So maybe today you've come feeling isolated, alone, disconnected. And even if you feel like no one knows you here, as you're sitting in this space or listening to a podcast, Jesus does. The guest of honor we all gather to celebrate knows you and he knows you're here because you're his family, adopted by his sacrifice for you. And when you belong to Jesus, that makes all those sitting around you your family, your brothers and your sisters, not just now, but forever. You see, for the heart whose love language is connection, the Holy Spirit speaks, Jesus makes us a family. But maybe today for you, you're just feeling rootless. You'd really like to believe this, that God would do this for you, but it feels so intellectually vague to you. Where did this all come from? Can you really trust it? Well, if that's where you're coming from today, let me tell you what God was speaking at the Pentecost goes so deep into the human story, that God has laid out the timing of this message that he gave at the Pentecost so perfectly to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of that whole story of the law given to the people. He is the one who shows us who God is, that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's free gift of provision. Every part of the Old Testament story points toward what has been done in Jesus and what is being done by the Holy Spirit now given to every heart as part of seeds for the heavenly harvest. So maybe the Holy Spirit is nudging you today in your heart with a hunger to learn more, to get into the word yourself and learn for yourself the foundations of this faith in which we stand. Maybe you're hearing Jesus' voice say, come closer. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't use the word should. He uses the longings of our hearts to draw us deeper. And his harvest is joy. Our family value is deep roots make good fruit. So maybe you're feeling the Holy Spirit nudging you to go deeper. This isn't a fly-by-night spirit, here one day, gone the next. He is God. He's always been. He always will be. And today, he wants you to know that he's here to be your solid foundation. If you're longing to know that you can trust this God, let the Holy Spirit show you how deeply rooted he is in everything and also in knowing you. Or maybe today you're in a place where you're wondering, if God is so good, why is there so much bad in the world? What's God doing about it? Well, on Pentecost, we see God's intended response through his people, and that is that love pours out. That good is meant to be shared. 
that Jesus did suffer at the hands of a broken world, but he allowed himself to be there for you and for me so we can have hope and victory over death and we can share his love in the world. So wherever the Holy Spirit is at work in you, you're gonna be empowered to pour out that love into the world. What does God want to do about all the bad happening in the world? He wants to send you, you in whom his love lives, to pour that out to the world. Not through a should, but through your deepest joy. So think about that. Where do you find your deepest joy? How might the Holy Spirit be calling you to speak Jesus' love in that area, to pour out your love through actions, through your words, to bless the world? And then on Pentecost, after all the crowds had heard about Jesus in their own languages, they had to ask, what do we do now? How do we respond to this? And Peter, the disciple, came up and he preached to them that they should be baptized and believe. 3,000 people took their first step with Jesus that day. But a journey is more than just one step, right? It's a walk of faith. And all our life long, we're going to be learning about the Holy Spirit's call to be obedient one step at a time. As long as we're alive, we're going to be learning what it means to belong to Jesus and his love. And there always is going to be a next step in your discipleship to Jesus, but we can't tell you what they all are because that's going to depend on where you are in life, what you need to learn next about the character of Jesus, what needs to be shaped in your heart. But that's why we need each other, right? We need those mirrors of other people of faith to help us to see and to discern what the Holy Spirit is teaching us and what next steps of faith that God is inviting us to take. So what next are, step are you called to take? Is it a step in trusting that Jesus makes us family? Daring to reach out in relationship? Is it a step of intentionally going deeper? Is he giving you a hunger to know his word? Is it a step of intentionally reaching out beyond yourself, pouring out love and service, maybe even a way outside your comfort zone? Is it to acknowledge that maybe you haven't taken any steps forward in a while? Maybe you've been camping out and good enough. Are you being called to invite someone else into knowing that Jesus is for them too? Is the Holy Spirit today nudging you forward, saying it's time to grow closer to him and outward and forward with him? What's your next step? And finally, our last value is 3165, be the church in the world. And on that first Pentecost day, when the Holy Spirit brought the world to them, after that, the Holy Spirit also sent them out. But wherever they lived, that was their mission field. And the same is true for us today. Did you know that in our own White Bear Lake School District, 56 different languages are spoken? Maybe the Holy Spirit isn't sending you to some other country. But maybe just like that first Pentecost, it's because the world is being sent to you. Today, as we celebrate the birthday of the church, remembering it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live his love out loud wherever we're sent. What is the Holy Spirit showing you about your call to live out his love right where you live? How might he be calling you closer so that his power might be made perfect even in your weaknesses for the sake of this world that he loves. Let's pray, bring our hearts to the Lord. 
Holy Spirit, thank you for the power of your love, for showing us the way that you want to be at work in every single heart, that you want to fill us with the love of Jesus and what he has done for us to empower us to be Jesus' people in the world by your power, Lord. We thank you that you are a God who knows the language of every human heart. And we thank you even more, Lord, that as you send us out into the world, you know that we don't know the language of every human heart but you do. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use us as vessels, that you would show us how to speak and how to show and how to act out your love so that those people around us, where we live, can receive that message of knowing that they are loved and valued and known by you, God. Lord, use us, just like in that first Pentecost, to be translators of your love into the world through your power alone. Lord, keep us humble, keep us willing, keep us listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.